Kicking and Streaming Podcast is brought to you by Cafe 1804. Premium Haitian coffee now available online at cafe1804.com. That's cafe, K-A-F-E, 1804.com. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was trying to set up like a, a live stream kind of shit, you know. Mm-hmm. But this technology is still beating me, so uh, yeah. bear with me. So yeah. it ain't going to go anymore, so whatever. <laughs> 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 I, I'm just, you know, I'm just trying. I'm just trying, but one day I'll get it. Uh, one day I'll get it, though. Um, yeah, one of these days, so it'll may- happen. Maybe not now or whatever for whatever reason, but I don't know yet. Wait, what? All right. So, uh, God, this is like, I couldn't, I couldn't. So we're really going to talk about whatever we're able to catch. Seriously. Because like, that's, that's the best I could do. Um, Yeah. And I think maybe kind of emphasize for the younger folks that maybe weren't around when this was happening or aren't aware of it to watch it or if they can't stand to watch it to read about it because it's important. It's not just history. It's something that can happen again. Yeah. And I think these kids have more guts than, than we do. And I think from my, from, from the parenting perspective, all I see in these young boys is my son, (laughs) you know, and, I, 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 and you know, I saw a an article that said some of us aren't ready to aren't emotionally emotionally ready to deal with when they see us, and that's okay. And I think this article is actually a very good thing because I, I just couldn't, Jocelyn. I I just couldn't. I couldn't either, Graham. I had to keep stopping it and take breaks and walk around for a while and then start it again and then something else would happen and Yeah. Yeah. Um in And it's not me being squeamish or me being like, Oh, you know, I don't I just I just can't. It's just so painful and these families and these kids and it's just makes me so angry. The crazy thing is, I remember watching, uh, the last time I, I remember feeling this way was uh, watching Making a Murder. And I, I know that I talked about it with you. Um, yeah. And and I felt this way, but I didn't know the end of the story. So I kept watching because I kept thinking to myself, this is going to get fixed. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In the end, the truth is going to reveal itself, and, and these people are going to be either exonerated or something is going to happen that right. will fix it all. Right. And I was devastated at the end that that wasn't the case. That the, the you know, but in the case of the Central Park Fives, Five, I know, like we all know what happened in the end. Exactly. Then, you know. Um, but one of the most tragic of the stories, not that any of them, not that any of them was less tragic than the other, but Corey Wise is uh, the only one that was actually 16 at the time. Yes. So he didn't get to go to juvenile until he was 21 and then transferred to, you know, real prison. He, 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 he went through this entire thing. Yeah. And, that that's incredibly devastating. Um, yeah. This is Kicking and Streaming Podcast, a binge watcher's guide to streaming movies, TV series, and stuff. Here are your hosts, Graham and Jocelyn. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this very special episode of Kicking and Streaming. My name is Graham, as you heard in the introduction, and with me uh, via Skype is my fantastic host who has agreed on my petition to do this very special episode of Kicking and Streaming. Justin, really, really, I don't know how else to thank you. I know that, you know, middle of the week for both of us 
is almost impossible. But thank you very much for being here with me. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I agree with you that this is important and something that needs to be talked about. So yes, I'm glad to be here. It is important that, you know, we explain a little bit here. We, we don't usually, actually, we, the, the episode you listen on, you listen to one uh, that is released on Tuesday. We normally record it on a Saturday, most likely. And, you know, a day that we both either, you know, did not have to work or if we work, we work very few hours. And, you know, we get in the studio together whenever Justin can join me. And uh, we have a lot of fun doing these. And, or when she's, you know, joining me from home via Skype. We still have a lot of fun doing these because, you know, it's the weekend. We are in sort of in the spirit. But in yes. this particular case, I, I thought it, it is important for us to have a special episode and talk about the Netflix limited series directed by fantastic Eva DuVernay about the Central Park Five a series called When They See Us. And I, I must start by apologizing to Jocelyn because I remember texting you and asking you, you know, do you want to do this? Would you like to do this? And I know how promptly you said yes. Little did you know, little did I know that at the end of the day, we both wouldn't be able to muster the courage to, to go through all four episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is the most heartbreaking thing I've ever seen. Yes. And despite all the creative liberties that may have been taken, obviously, because this is a dramatization of the facts, kudos to to Eva DuVernay and the team that who wrote this, this series. And also... I, I read somewhere that th they had to have counselors around for the Central Park Five during both the, the, the during the screening of of this series. For the the men that experienced what actually what happened, or for the actors, or for both. For for both. I'm glad. I'm glad <laughs> they did. Honestly, I kind of felt like I needed a counselor to be able to watch it. And I don't say that in a facetious manner at all, that it was, it is brutal. It is an extremely difficult watch. And I was not strong enough to get all the way through it. I appreciate the realness to which uh, Eva DuVernay uh, kept it in this series. Yes. And I confess, as I said, little did I know that I wasn't going to be able to go with it like I, I could not I don't think I can make it to another and to another episode because I just don't know how I'm going to react um yeah I I didn't expect to have that reaction either I I remember actually when this happened and I remember uh the eventual exoneration you know a decade or so later or ago I should say yeah. Um, so I knew it was going to be rough. I, I did going into it. And I, I think I texted you that. I'm like, I know this is going to be rough, but I did not expect it to be so rough for a dramatization. And I did not expect to not be able to finish it. It just, you know, I, I had to take breaks every so often for what I was watching because I was just getting so... I think impotent rage is a good, yes, a yes. good because uh, you know you know what's going to happen and you know this happened however many years ago and there's nothing you can do for these kids but God, damn it, you wish you could, you yes. wish you could go back in time. Yes, and make it all better, right? Yes, wave my little magic wand and fix everything. Do, do you know that the thing is when when this happened, and this is something you will always hear me say in this podcast i i only moved to the united states in the in 2004 so when this happened i i did not live in the united states as a matter of fact i i lived in a little island in the caribbean and the thing is that what 
what hurts me so much is that I never heard of any of this until I moved here. And as a matter of fact, Jocelyn, I must confess, I heard more exponentially about this case with the rise of the candidacy of Donald Trump to the presidency. Okay. More than anything else. And the reason is because, obviously, because we know that Donald Trump famously took in a page in a prominent newspaper to demand the death penalty for these five young black boys, four black kids and a, and a Hispanic. You know, that was talked about a lot when, whenever the issue of Donald Trump in race was raised during the 2016 campaign. And so upon more investigation, upon more reading, then I found out what exactly happened. And I have to tell you this. The case for me is more devastated in the sense that when you are growing up, and I, I, I have touched on this with you on personal conversations, is that when you are growing up outside of the United States, your parents, your teachers, politicians in your country, journalists, they idealize the United States in the sense that you know the absurd does not occur in the United States. Do you know what I mean? I and, and And so these kind of injustices that happened in the early, late 80s, early 90s, right? Whenever you yeah. saw that exposed in a movie about the United States, it was, I don't know, Alabama, Mississippi, 1960-something during the civil rights era. You would never expect this kind of nonsense, this grave injustice to have been taking place in the United States during the you know late 80s, early 90s. After, and, you know, New York City, the, you know, yes, the pinnacle of, of Americanism, right? Yes, 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 that is exactly right. And so w when I read about this, and I'm like, this is recent. This just happened to say, you know, you know, to, 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 to put it mildly. And this grave injustice happened under the watch of a lot of people that yes. today have no reason whatsoever to say you know i i i don't know how this escaped my hand and gosh again i confess i don't know if i'll ever gather the courage to finish all uh, you know the the other three episodes because i hear that there's gonna be a season two. Oh god yes yes and um my respects to Eva Duvernay again, but I, I don't know that I can do it. I don't know that I can do it. I think it is very important for anybody who's listening to us who is a young person to watch this. I know that we're telling you that we didn't have the stomachs to watch it, but if you can, please watch it. If you can't, please read about the story, do some research, at least read the Wikipedia article. Because this is, for some of you, ancient history, but it really isn't. And yeah. it's something that could very easily happen today, tomorrow. Yes. It could happen to you. It could happen to your brother, your sister. Um, so just please be aware that the evil is out there in this world. And sometimes it has the guise of being on the side of the angels, and it's not. Yes, yes, you are, Jocelyn, you are absolutely right. I do remember our during our conversations, we always go to the, um, we somehow wind up talking about this very, very important YouTube video. Yes, I would love for us to link to that somehow if we could. Yes, yes, why is it that, not only young people, but why is it that no civilian should ever talk to the police without yes. legal counsel? Yes. Please, <sighs> please, please watch it. Do some research. Do some reading. Um, even if you have done nothing wrong, even though you have done nothing wrong, 
that doesn't mean anything. Yes. Um, truth and justice does not mean shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, if there is a decision made that you are going to be the guilty one. And all of us feel that, oh, well, you know, I, I, I'm doing the right thing. I'm trying to help people. And and absolutely, we want to do the right thing. And absolutely, we want to help people. But you don't set yourself on fire to keep somebody else warm. So yeah. please, <laughs> just and, please. And to touch on that, what you said about, you know, I want to... You know, loyalty is something that we teach our kids because because we want them to be decent human beings, right? Exactly. I, I have an 18-year-old that I remember for as long as I can remember. I always tell him, there are things that you are going to have to do and it could be an inconvenience for you, but you have to measure the good that it does for the community at large. Right. And I always put the example of growing up, my son had a little friend named Diego. And and I always told him, like, would you not do this? It was his, his best little friend. And I'm like, would you not do this for Diego if, if, if he needed you to? You know, and I know that it was sort of like a way of... of maybe coercing him into doing the right thing. But what I wanted him to understand was, you, you know, you have to show solidarity to the people that are, that are close to you, to your fellow human being. Yes. And I couldn't help but notice, for instance, how the uh, Corey Wise, this kid, played so brilliantly by Jarell Jerome. Yes. Oh, my God. The the kid the the actor is an absolute little phenomenon, and yes. at twenty one years old he's playing this character and he's infusing injecting all all of these emotions into one one character that deserves all of that. For me is, you know, I I I hope that I will see so much more of uh, Jarrell Jerome in 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 the next in the near future. But Corey Wise, the poor kid, right? He wasn't involved. He wasn't anywhere near the whole thing. But when when the police approach uh, Yusuf Salam, he felt like, I don't know what's going on, but this is my boy. You know? Yep, this is my friend. I'm going to go with my friend. Yes, and he gets... And who wouldn't do that? He gets coerced. And, and even the, the, the guy, sarcastically, the police officer tells him, you know, you're a good friend, man. <laughs> Sticking out for your friend. Mm-hmm. And then when they noticed that, you know, he was the one that had... I, I think he had a, a bit of a, you know, learning disability kind of thing. They actually went hard on him. And because he was 16, he was questioned all by himself. And they literally put words in his mouth. And and I kept thinking, you, you know, maybe this kid was following a lesson that an adult, a, a, one of his parents, one of his aunts or uncles or somebody taught him, you have to stick stick up for your friend. You have to be there for those who are counting on you. And there he was. And there he was finding himself in this whole heap of trouble that he had nothing to do with. Yeah. Although none of them had anything to do with, with, with what happened with the rape of, of, of this lady. No, they were all completely innocent of that. There was some... <laughs> I don't know, some incidents that went down earlier in the park that I don't believe any of them were involved in either. Mm-hmm. And I believe that was another gang activity or something. Um, they had nothing to do with it whatsoever. And the person who did, there's actually an excellent article that was just written. It's in the it's the cut with the the New York New Yorker about the other women who were attacked and raped and almost murdered or murdered by this person who was responsible for this attack. He was a serial rapist and murderer. Yes. So 
not only do you have the huge injustice of all of these young men going to prison for no reason, you also have let this person free who is in turn hurting other people. And you're not even bothering to look for him because you've decided that all of this evidence points to these people that had nothing to do with it whatsoever. So it, it's it's a complete miscarriage of justice. It's a complete miscarriage of of truth and of the burden that you're supposed to hold as a law enforcement officer. And the amount of tragedy in this case is absolutely horrifying and mind-boggling. It It is just wrong. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the only way I know to put it. It's just wrong. You've ruined so many lives so because many you lives. were convinced that black people and brown people did something and you closed yourself off to any other possibility when there was plenty of other possibilities raised and other questions raised at the time. The fact that the DNA didn't match, the fact that the timeline was completely wrong, yeah. the fact that there was no physical evidence from anybody that they convicted there is just, it's horrifying. It's completely horrifying. Yeah. Yes, you, you, you're absolutely right. The, the issue of comparisons versus evidence is the fact that with so much science, with so much resources available to the, the justice system, yet you have people that are in the criminal justice system creating this, this blurred line between, between comparison and, and fact is is absolutely mind-boggling as as you said like well he was there and yeah. somebody said i saw a black kid so black kid he was there what does it matter if the hours does it if the time doesn't match <laughs> you, you see what I mean? yeah yeah it's, or the dna is is completely not a match which I know in 1990, when this case went to trial, there was not as much understanding of DNA among the general populace as there is today. Mm -hmm. I think we have CSI to thank for that, yes. for the fact that, that juries expect DNA evidence and they understand it a little more. So when, you know, in 1990, the prosecutors were able to say, oh, well, the DNA was inconclusive and that was good enough for yeah. the jurors yeah. Yeah. Um, to some level obviously, because they convicted. Um, but I think today, at least, that wouldn't fly. I yes. will say, however, that I am not 100%. Uh, I am skeptical of DNA evidence, and I don't mean I am skeptical of the science by any means. No, no. I mean that I am skeptical, skeptical in the sense of I believe it can be manipulated, and I believe that evidence can be lost, and uh, so... <laughs> or corrupted. <laughs> or corrupted, yeah. yes. Yeah. So, um, but I would like to think that perhaps with a more sophisticated, and I only mean that in the sense of, of what we have more common knowledge of today. I mean, in 1990, we didn't have Google. <laughs> right. That if there had been a prosecutor that had the audacity to say, oh, well, a DNA, DNA was inconclusive, that a juror would go, what do you mean inconclusive? What does that mean? <laughs> inconclusive, <laughs> you know? yeah. Right. Yeah. What does inconclusive mean? Does that mean it's not a match? Because if it's not a match, then we need to let these guys go. And this is, this is the thing. There is also the issue of prosecutors not wanting to not only lose a case, but just not wanting to give up. And the reason right. is because if they, by any chance, are seeing one, you know, there's the whole idea of what, the more blacks you convict, the more minorities you convict, you can run on the issue of I'm tough on crime. <laughs> you know, right. uh, uh, tough on crime, tough on crime. And I've said this before in the show, um, I think back when we talked about the case of Jussie Smollett, and I said, whenever you hear a governor, a prosecutor, a sheriff, uh, someone running on the idea of tough and crime, he's basically, he or she is basically telling you, look at my conviction rate of black and brown people. As simple as that. And in this case, in this particular instance, we have to talk about Linda uh, Fairstein. 
that was the case here. Like, like I, she actually became the greatest lawyer in the world just so she could make the case of taking this case and doing her thing with it. I, I, I think it's fair that we mention both the names of the original Central Park Five, and then we're going to go through the cast of, of brilliant young actors. I am so hopeful and in in awe at yes, the fact the cast that, of this is stellar. Yes, we have those kids out there doing this. I am absolutely elated. So the original Central Park Five were Raymond Santana, Kevin Richardson, Antron McRae, Yusuf Salam, and Corey Wise. And I read that Ava dedicated almost an entire episode to the story of Corey Wise. And if you have the courage to actually go through all four episodes of this series, this is where I think you 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 dem is going to break because oh my god it is yeah. it is an absolutely heartbreaking thing to see the very first episode in fact for me is i i felt like i had a cinder block placed over my uh, on 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 my chest that in and it took me about eight hours to watch about 40 minutes of it, Jocelyn. Yeah, I'm at about the same, same with you. Yeah. He, you know, and let's then talk about the cast. Some of these people you know, and some of these young people you probably have seen, but in this stellar, very stellar roles that you've seen them. You have Jovan Adepo, he plays Antron McRae. And you have Asante Black, he plays young young Kevin Richardson. You have Chris Chalk, he plays Yusuf Salam. And Jarel Jerome who plays Corey Wise. Uh, of the actors that of course you may know is John Leguizamo. He plays Raymond Santana Sr., the father of Raymond Santana, of course. Michael Kenneth Williams also gives a very, very touching, God, rendition of the father of... Who was the father again, Jocelyn? I don't, I don't remember. He, was, um, he, pl- he plays uh, Bobby McRae, Anton McRae's father. Anton McRae's father. Yeah, and he's so good at it. I know him from, of course, everybody knows him from The Wire, but I also know him from the series I've talked about before, Happen Leonard, that I think he's so good in. Yes, yes, Happen Leonard, I remember you talked about it. Yeah, so he's just, I, he's so good. Yes, Marquis Rodriguez playing young Raymond Santana. I felt, I felt for this kid. And the reason is because this is, the one kid that when I see him, I see my son. You know, you know, little beige kid. <laughs> <laughs> a little beige kid, uh, quiet, who you really, really have to push him to give you more than monosyllabic answers. And he gets really pushed against the wall. And he gets... Played, he gets played by adults that he is. He is supposed to 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 believe are there to help him, right? And has probably been taught are there to help him. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I'm not going to be as naive as to say that you know, a kid growing up in Harlem was supposed to, you know, was taught to, you know. 
believe whatever the police say and go with it. We are no. all, we all no, know I, that. There's no I, such no. thing. But at, at some level, too, there, you know, a well-raised kid is going to respect authority. Exactly. And that's, that's what it's going to come down to is, well, this is a person in authority. And even though I may know not to 100% trust the police, they may have never had experience. Well, I would assume they would have never had experience with a detective, which is different than exactly. the boys in blue. Because what you learn, what you are taught to not trust is actually the uniformed ones because, you know, they right. are the ones that are all over your hood and, you know what I'm saying? But when yes. Mr. Detective is across the table from you and he's telling you, look, son, yes. I know you didn't do this. And, you know, you get to go home. Like, just tell me the truth and you get to go home. That is a blatant fucking lie. Yep. And what makes you think it is okay? And who in the hell is the judge, the jury, everybody involved That would say, you know what? Yeah, that was uh, that was okay for me. And this is like, like there's so many failures here, Jocelyn. That's that's my biggest problem. Yeah, my yeah, biggest problem it's, it's, is that that okay. Well, the officers did the thing that they did. I'm not forgiving them. They were fucking horrible. But it goes from hand to hand to hand to hand to hand, and those kids never stood a chance. No, no. And it's it's another thing that I think makes it very important for people to be aware of this, because I, I, you need to understand the complete failure and the complete breakdown of the system at every single turn and understand that it can happen to you. It can happen to your child. It can happen to your your sister, your brother. It doesn't matter if you're black, if you're white, if you're brown. If you're yellow, it can happen to you. Please, please try to learn some lessons. Let somebody learn something from this horrible thing that happened yes. so that it doesn't happen again. Yes, yes. I, you know, again, uh, I'm, I'm sorry that I keep talking about, you know, my son. <laughs> But, <laughs> yeah, because, you know. No, but uh, that as a parent, I mean, I, I am not a parent for the The folks listening there, I, I do not have human children. I have I have dogs and have always <laughs> had dogs. Um, but I do have some beautiful little nieces that I love very much. And I am afraid for them in this world. Yes. And I don't want <laughs> I don't want this world for them, this world yes. that it seems to be becoming. Yes, and please say that again. That's the thing. That's exactly I, the thing. I don't I don't want this world yeah. for them. Yeah. I don't want them to ever have this to happen to them. And just because they are white does not mean that it can't happen to them. I, I Oh <laughs> trust me. Look and, and here's what I keep thinking while I was watching this series and having watched making a murderer in its entirety. I, that helped me understand how the, the, the different ways that the system discriminates against people. You are either on the losing end of it because of your race or the color of your skin or because you are white and poor. Mm -hmm. Or female. Or female. Or LGBT <laughs> yes. or yeah. disabled yeah. or you have a mental illness. The fact yes. of the matter is this world is fucking horrible. And the yes. people at the head of the realm are horrible to the most vulnerable. Yes. And that's, that's the sickening thing. We, you're supposed to be, If you're in charge, you're supposed to be taking care of the vulnerable. You're supposed to be taking care of the widows, the orphans, the, the poor. You know, you're not supposed to be oppressing them and putting them in prison. People with mental illness are killed by cops. Yes, yes. <laughs> All the time. Mm -hmm. You know, some, they, have, they have people with mental illness have a lower life expectancy of, of 
anybody, and that's not even counting their suicide rates. Yes. So, you know, if if you're autistic or if you're a woman or if you're black or if you're trans person, trans person, this is not a safe world for you. And yeah. I think sometimes those of us who feel like we may have a bubble around us of safety. I don't count myself as one of those, but, but those of us who may feel that way, please understand that there are people who will never have that bubble and yeah. that your bubble can get taken away anytime. Oh yes. Oh yes. That bubble can be popped. And, and you know what? I am grateful for, and I, I know that it is a minimal thing to say, but I'm grateful for Netflix I'm grateful for streaming services. And I'm saying this not because our show is <laughs> mainly focused on streaming services. The reason I'm saying that is because some of this truth could not be told as clearly and as unabashedly, even on fucking HBO. And I'm going to repeat this again. Okay? No. They would not have been told. The... the the reason I'm saying I'm saying this is because, you know, people have shit to lose. People have something to lose. And what you're looking at here is one of the finest, if not the finest storyteller behind the camera in Eva Duvernay telling a story as faithfully and as best as she could understand it straight from the horse's mouth. Right. I heard an interview with Ava this week and she was saying after she directed Selma, a lot of people were asking her, well, what's your next project? What's your next project? What's your next project? Right. Even on Twitter, people would go on Twitter and like, Hey, Ava, what, what do you have next? Right. And guess what? I don't remember exactly who, but I think it was either Corey. No, I think it was Raymond Santana that tweeted her and said, Ava, what is your next project? And if you don't have one, will you please tell our story? And this wow. was the tweet that she went after, that she wow. responded to. Right? And here, here you go, when they see us. And... I I like the title of this series because this is a phrase that I know every black parent or every minority parent has used when having to talk with their children, right? Um, and the talk, for all of you who have never had to have the talk, is... Us as parents, black, brown, minority, sitting down with our kids and telling them, even though you know you have everything to lose, even though you know that the respect you show a police officer will matter very little, you have to respond, yes, sir, no, sir, don't make any abrupt moves. Do not keep your hands where they can see it. Don't respond unless you are spoken with. That is the talk that every single parent of a black, brown, minority child has had with their kid. And what follows after that talk is because when they see us, they see danger. When they see us, they see a threat. When they see us, their adrenaline is ready to... <laughs> oh, God. Um, three or four years ago, Jocelyn, we were in the middle of the explosion of Black Lives Matter, uh, Freddie Gray... Uh, Trayvon Martin had happened a, a few years before that and um, the brother that got 
murdered by the police in New Jersey. And I had my blog, The Factorum Post, at the time. And I wrote about the absolute gut-wrenching guilt that I felt for taking my son, who was born in the Dominican Republic, and we didn't move to the U.S. until he was turning six, when he was, you know, ready to go to school, right? He, for all the years before, he had been, you know, living the life <laughs> in a tropical island, in a tropical island, in a resort, or whatever. And then when the moment of truth came, I was like, well, we have to go because, you know, um, no matter how big and expensive of a private school that I can send my, my son here, and by the way, I could, I knew that there was something about him being educated here that was you know, that was essential. And so that was the reason of the move. And when he was turning 13, 14, 16, all these things going on, all these young black male being killed by none other than the police, I felt guilt because here's my son going to early engineering college in UNCC at the age of 15, getting out of my house every morning at 5.20 to walk just mm. one block to go take the bus, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm waking up with this panic every morning mm -hmm. because at 15, to a police officer, he is a black, grown-ass black male. Do you right. understand what I'm saying? And Trayvon Martin... <laughs> Yeah. Okay. That yeah. a beautiful little kid in Ohio, 12 years old, playing with a fake gun in the park, 12 seconds later, after the police arrived, he was dead. Yeah. Dead. And I'm thinking of my boy with a backpack. And you know you cannot talk young American people into not using the freaking hoodie at any time. <laughs> God! I, I have... I, I don't know what else to say. Dude, like, you don't need to wear the bloody hoodie. Do not. And, yeah, I know, that's all you would get. But as soon as he walks out of the house, boom, there goes the hoodie. And I'm thinking, the police are so trigger-happy right now. All it takes is for some motherfucker to tell the police, call the police and say, there's a young, languid black kid at acting five in the morning acting suspiciously. And that's all that needs to happen. So I felt this huge guilt. And I was like, what the hell did I do? <laughs> you know, I have placed my kid in Germany by raising him here. In the United States, that should not be the feeling of any parent. Not in the United States of America. No. Maybe, maybe in the war zone. Yes, a father, a mother raising a kid in Syria right now should be feeling that, but not Graham and Christine in a suburb in fucking North Carolina. Right. You know, and right. and that's why I couldn't manage. To finish watching not even the first episode of When They See Us. If any of you out there can, you're braver than me and fucking congratulations. <laughs> but I, I can't do it. I can't do it. No. No. I have an article here that I printed out from uh, the root.com. It's a section of the root. I believe, called The Grapevine. And the title is, When They See Us is the Haunting Masterpiece the Central Park Five Deserve. And in it, the author, who I, unfortunately I don't have the name anywhere in the article, 
he makes five, I think, five points. And he goes into details after each point. But I would only like to read for you, Jocelyn, and for our listeners what he makes on each of those points. And you can read the the details of each point by going to the grape uh, the com. And he says, After watching Netflix's upcoming miniseries When They See Us ahead of, the, of its release, here are five observations. Number one, while the tragic tale of the Central Park Five is at least vaguely familiar to most, this miniseries does an exceptional job of exploring the myriad of ways in which Kevin Richardson, Raymond Santana, Antron McCray, Yusuf Salam, and Corey Wise fell prey to a cruel cocktail of apathy and coercion. And then he goes on to explain himself. In the second observation, he says, like many, like many black men who will indulge in this series, I saw fragments of myself in each of these victims. That, <laughs> that's a given. In the third observation, he says, the argument can be made that guilt and compassion are two sides of the same coin in each of these concepts is explored throughout the series. In his observation, or her observation, in his observation four, he says, expounding upon my previous point, this series beautifully illustrates the infinite well of strength that black and brown families must draw from in order to survive in a world that's nourished by our demise. Hmm. And finally, he says, his fifth point is, Gives Jarrell Jerome all the things. That's the that's the kid that plays Corey Wise. <laughs> <laughs> Give him all the things. He says, and, and he, his point is brief. There, he says his soul stirring depiction of Corey Wise is as deft as it is disturbing. When they see us, provide Jerome with the perfect canvas to convey Corey's gruesome transition into adulthood, and his performance will put your jaw on the floor. Hopefully, his otherworldly acting abilities will be rewarded when award season comes back around because this miniseries solidifies his status as one of the most gifted actors in Hollywood at all of his 21 years old. Um, I, I know that, you know, neither of us have finished this series. And I don't know if you will at some point draw the courage to finish it but i'm done <laughs> just <enough. laughs> i don't know if i will either i would like to be able to um i might need to be in a little better place myself but i i don't know i don't know if i'll be able to i would like to try but i i would really like to encourage everybody to at least try it um all of our listeners and um try and try and learn something from it yes and try, and, try and try and change something from it. Yes. Even if it's just something with yourself. I'm sure that some kid out there watching this series will decide today that they want to be a defense lawyer or they want to go and become a police officer to <laughs> to make sure that these kind of things does not happen anymore to other minority you know, LGBT kid, any disadvantaged individual. I know that um, a lot of kids today are watching, if they watch this series, will decide, I want to grow up to be a prosecutor and I want to be better, better, a greater person. I want to make this country better than 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 Linda Fairstein did. And I think, uh, you know, those of us who are child-free, when we see those young, bright people trying to change the world, if we can be as supportive as possible to those who are and uh, 
not just in the sense of a pat on the back and good job, but in the yeah. sense of who we allow to come into power um, and what we allow to happen in the world as we have control of it. Yes. Johnson and you, you I mean, come on. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you very much. This, I'm, I'm not even going to say anything else. This is the message of the day. This is the message of the day. We we have a responsibility to encourage every one of those kids to be their better selves. But also we have an, an, a, a responsibility to protect them. Yes. How the, no one, no one of 12 citizens in this jury said, I don't believe any of this bullshit, so I'm not going to. I'm not going to convict these kids. It's, it's beyond me. And this is where the, 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 the rest of the country failed these kids. The rest of the state of New York failed these kids. Majorly. Yeah. Because you get, you get convicted by what? By a jury of your peers. And the fact that a bunch of people said, yeah, yeah, they did it, and I'm cool with that. That's, that's insane. So this was a very special extra episode. And I, I don't plan to do a lot of editing for this. <laughs> I, I want it. And I'm sure you do too. I want it as raw as we've been today. Yeah. As yeah. angry as both of us have been. Yeah. And angry and tired and sad and fed up. And I can And tell scared. You, yes. I can tell you for a fact, Justin, I'm glad that, you know, my son has an aunt in you. <laughs> 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 and, uh, and, you know, again, and thank you for doing this episode. Thank you for, for allowing me to do my parent rant. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, well, I'll catch you later. I, I think I think part of one of the reasons I, I don't have children is I might never stop ranting if I did. So. <laughs> 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 There'd be a whole lot of dead motherfuckers, let me just say that. <laughs> I remember you said that another time, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> then maybe I should be glad to. <laughs> but I hear you. I, I, I hear you because, you know, it's not like we're trying to be helicopter parents or whatever. God knows I'm not. I mean, I used to coach my own damn kid, and he wasn't allowed to, to even be injured. <laughs> <laughs> Get up! <laughs> that is You're not one. hurt. Rub some yeah. dirt in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rub some eyes on it and go on. <laughs> and well, since since we're Caribbean, so it's put some vapor up. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. Oh, Vicks vapor rub was a thing in my house too. Yeah, yeah. Put some Vicks vapor rub on this boy <laughs> and send him back on the field. <laughs> so that's you know, uh, uh, we are not. I'm not a helicopter parent. My my wife isn't. But I know exactly what you're saying. No, that's it's I, know exactly I, what you're saying. I yeah. It's a strong emotion to love somebody that much and when I love somebody I love hard. So tell this little beige boy upstairs that he's got an aunt that is as fierce and as ready to fight for him as all of us. So Absolutely. Thank 100%. You. you know it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You have a fantastic rest of your day, Jocelyn. Thank you very much. Thank you, Graham. You too. Take care. Bye. You too. Bye. Bye. <laughs>